Welcome everyone, you were perhaps watching Hot Sauce Sports. I was gazing into my phone, hoping to see a countdown there. And the countdown there? was there! I gave it to you! You were looking at it! I know you looked at it! To be Why? fair, I think, Why? I, think I, I think I had the wrong chat open. Um, what chat? Don't you get notifications on your screen? I don't get notifications. If I had notifications from uh, Facebook, Terry, my phone would be dead every 30 seconds. No, no, but when you're on your phone, when your phone is open, even if you turn your notifications off, you can still see them come in. And you're a dirty liar because I can see your little face next to the red on the messages. I know you looked at them. You were looking right at them and somehow you just spaced on five seconds. You waited 15 seconds. Well, just uh, once again, our producer, the Eagle Master Control, has let us down. I am joined, of course, of course, by uh, my co-host, Terry Tam, okay. a guy who never lets us down. He's excellent at his job, unlike the Eagle Master Control. Terry, how's it going, bud? I am awesome, and I'm excited to have Julian on. Uh, Julian McKenzie on this week. He, uh, you know, he opened our eyes to a few things, I will say. Uh, Christmas related. Yep. Uh, we, uh, we did the interview ahead of time. We talked about uh, Christmas music, the NBA draft, uh, basketball in Canada, uh, the future of basketball in Canada as well. Uh, just a really interesting guy. Uh, he has his own podcast, Terry, the Scrum Podcast. We're trying to set up something interesting with them as well. Hopefully that will get done sooner than later. Terry, it was the Masters. It was the Masters. It was a great weekend. Um, it's funny because... I, I love slash hate the uh, the ratings watchers. People are like, oh, the ratings are down because the NBA is woke or whatever. Um, and they don't they don't look at the circumstances, right? So they don't they don't consider that all sports happening at the same time means that ratings are going to go down because people can't be watching unless you and I are obsessed and gambling all over the place aren't watching multiple things at the same time. So the Masters had lower ratings than usual, and the NFL had lower ratings than usual. I wonder if those two things are related because they never happen at the same time. Um, I, I was I was glued in, man. I mean, I watched uh, Thursday. I didn't watch because I was playing, um, but I, we watched on the golf course. Um, Friday, I watched. I was working, but I watched a little bit. And then Saturday and Sunday, I watched. Sunday, I watched most of the day, and I loved it, man. It was the first time I actually like committed to a weekend of watching golf, like I really never did before. I would tune in here and there, um, but this season, since I played a lot, I watched a lot more, and I appreciate these guys so much more. But another one thing, one thing I I hate about um, the way people talk about Augusta is that it can do no wrong. That Augusta is perfect all the time, but there were so many things that you know, like so many mistakes, or like the the grass wasn't green because of the the time of the year that they decided to do it. But like, they, God forbid they ever mention that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. All they mention is, "Oh, look how uh, it, it's always the positive." Give me something negative about the place, and I'll, I'll just and I'll understand it a little bit more. I'll tell you why it has to do the TV contract. Augusta is very particular about what you're allowed to show and what you're allowed to talk about. Exactly. If you notice, they don't show all the holes. They control the content. Uh, they show 12, way. 15, 16, 1, 18. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they, they control the content in a way that no other sporting event does. I will say they give us a very engaging, interesting product in, in a way that other golf tournaments aren't as engaging to non-golfers. So, like, they do it right in a sense, but I know what you mean. They do. It's great. I will say, like, so you know, you know, Terry, that, and then for those who are regulars on the show is that I spend a lot of my time in in the South and in Georgia specifically. And I will say 
the feeling of Georgia can do no wrong is something that definitely exists uh, when you visit there. Um, so, so it is it is true to its culture in a sense. Uh, but it was it was a really great tournament. Very happy for Dustin Johnson. He had a meltdown there a couple of years ago, so it was cool to see him win it. Um, and then, like the next day, seeing the picture with uh, Wayne Gretzky in the caddy uniform posing on Instagram with Dustin Johnson. It was, it was just really cool. Just really cool moment for the dude. And uh, it was kind of cool seeing Gretzky sort of as a fan, just taking it yeah. back, not being the center of attention for once, right? It, it was just a nice moment. And another thing about Dustin Johnson is that he's, like, known as, like, the kind of, like, the village idiot a little bit. You know, like, he just he's very, like – doesn't know his doesn't his heart rate doesn't go up he has no emotion he's like he's like oh, oh well, did that happen today i don't know like he's just very like that you know and he's yeah. a very like dumb jock and then when you saw him kind of break down after it was kind of it opened your eyes to it yeah and another thing is i want to know where i can get one of those jumpsuits man those jumpsuits are sick um i had several jokes i was going to go with but inappropriate so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna move on we're gonna move on uh i, I won't make a uh, i won't make the joke that i was gonna make uh because we're running short on time because we had such a great talk julie mckenzie let's just get right to the news <laughs> Ah, Terry, it's the news. So I'm trying to make it more annoying to sing the song while people are listening than it is for you to say, ah, Terry's the news, but it just doesn't work. We need to, oh, that's that's a great idea. We need to find layers of annoying. Just things that will turn people off from listening to the show. Because wow. I feel like that might be addictive. Like, it'll be so annoying you can't look away. Like, like, like if your our, face. Our was annoying. Like your face. Exactly. That's exactly why I'm on the show, Terry. Um <laughs> The news broke today that the New York Giants fired O-line coach Mark Colombo after a, a fist fight between him and head coach Joe Judge. Possibly, if you punch your boss, you will get fired. He was fired. That is so football. How football is it? It's so football that two freaking meat head coaches get into a fist fight on the sideline. <laughs> and one of them gets fired over it. If you had to rank the coaches that... Um, we're most likely to get into a fist fight. I feel like Joe Judge is up, up near the top, right? No, I think Colombo is up the top, is at the top, and Rob Sala from uh, the Niners. I feel like they were gonna like run into each other. I would not want to get hit by Rob Sala. Like, oh, I, no. Here's here's a big so, question for me though: If Joe Judge won the fight, because apparently Mark Colombo actually technically you know knocked him down or whatever, if Joe Judge wins, does he still get fired? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Um, although, although maybe he cracked he, the internet. If Joe Judge beats him so bad that it's like, look, see, this is he keeps him around like a head on a spike. Like you can't exactly, come exactly, yeah. Like, but now, like well, I'm not gonna fire you as a symbol of you're gonna respect me, right? Well, like what's more powerful, the head on the spike or just the '90s Chumbawamba? Get knocked down, get up again, which is which me down, I get knocked down, and that's the second, that's the first time I'm gonna sing out of twice on the song on this episode. Yeah. Unfortunately, you used the wrong voice this time, Terry. You need to be there. We go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the worst part is what I don't understand is you see this sometimes with teams that are really struggling, and I know I know the Giants haven't been great, but they've been competitive and they've been in every game, uh, especially recently. They're looking like a like a, a you know a wounded team that's kind of on the mend, kind of improving. 
that's usually not when you see fights break out, right? Usually you see that in teams where things are falling off the wheel. Uh, you see wheels falling off the wagon, in a sense. Like, I don't know how no one's punched uh, Adam Gase. Yeah. I don't know how anybody has, not not alone punched Adam Gase, but stabbed him. Yeah. Including uh, Sam Darnold. Why do you, you make me worse than I actually am? <laughs> just re- repeatedly stab him in the chest. Absolutely. You know what? Maybe that's the play. Maybe Adam Gaze hires Mark Colombo to improve ah. the O-line, and therefore their offense gets better overnight. Wow. And Colombo doesn't have to really leave New York, and with a name like Mark Colombo, chances are he's from New York. And worst case, it doesn't work out, and you get into a fight number two, right? Rematch. Go. Pay-per-view. Hey. I think, a lot people, I think a lot of people in the Jets organization would support him punching Adam Gaze. Of course. Absolutely. So this time, that's one of the few times where you punch your boss and your boss gets fired. So that's not, not not a bad scenario for him. Uh, Terry, the Bears suck. They're I think they're I don't care what the record is. They're, they're the worst team in the NFL, man. I can't watch them. They're awful. Um, Nick Foles is a guy who has moments that look where he looks like he is a capable starting quarterback in the NFL. But the thing is, he never was a starting quarterback for a reason. He was never drafted as such. He was always. Uh, you know, a backup slash replacement quarterback slash stopgap quarterback. That's what he is. And the they brought him in to sort of replace Mitch Trubisky because they saw Trubisky wasn't working out either. What a disaster. All of this oh. could be falling apart. To, to Mitch's defense, and I'll defend Mitch to the fucking death. Okay, I'm I'm gonna, Mitch Trubisky. I like Mitch Trubisky. I don't know. I think he's a good guy. I think he gets a bad rap. He sucks as a quarterback, but I like the guy. You know what I mean? What I, I don't like about him is he has a name that you don't draft in Madden. Like if you see Mitch Fuck. Trubisky, you're not drafting that guy. So if I'm if I'm uh, Ryan Pace of the, the GM of the Bears, I'm like, uh, if I wouldn't have done it on Madden, if I wouldn't trust him on my Madden team, why would I trust him on my real team? But I would draft him as a tight end in Madden, though. Yeah, that's that, fair. With that name. Or an offensive lineman. Those yeah. are the types of players that are named Trubisky. Also, kickers. I can see kickers too. Yeah, kickers. I mean, I wouldn't draft a kicker. I mean, maybe that's the beginning of your problems. That's true. That's true. That's why it would be a terrible Um, GM. But Nick Foles, I mean, they just have two bad quarterbacks. You know what I mean? And Nick Foles is just the guy who doesn't suck as bad as the other one. And Nick Foles actually gives you some flashes of genius where Mitch Trubisky is probably does just just does missionary position. I mean, that's I'm just assuming. And um, so, I mean, you got to roll. You got to roll big, dick, Nick. But I think they really have to look at the quarterback situation now and maybe draft a quarterback this year. Yeah, um, it's year four for Trubisky. It's over. It's done. As much as I like the guy, great guy. I think it's done. I think it's uh, his time has arrived. He's going to be a backup for the next four years, and he'll retire off sail off to the sunset. Have they ruined Khalil Mack's career, by the way? Well, you got to pick the other day, so no. Yeah, but he's wasting yeah, away on his roster, right? <laughs> Well, I mean, it depends. If, if you look at uh, the NFL as a job where you're trying to make as much money for your family as possible, Khalil Mack's career has been absolutely a success. Considering that, you know, the way he got to the Bears was that the uh, Raiders legitimately didn't have enough capital to sign him. They didn't have enough money to put an escrow to be able to offer him a contract. Um, that's something they've gotten somehow under control in, in uh, recent times, but... That's literally a thing that happened to a professional sports franchise in the most lucrative professional sport. I can't believe that those things happen. Well, I'm not surprised. Mark Davis spent so much money on cutting his hair, you know? That's true. It's true. There's no uh, more money left. The budget's busted on hair cutting. 
Uh, the Bucks score 46, and yet once again, Antonio Brown steals the show. This time, not with his play so much, although he did play all right. Um, a story, new story broke shortly after that game that uh, he broke a news camera and threw a bicycle. Um, oh, what the hell did the bike ever do to him? I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure, and it's not clear why he threw it. Um, no, it's no. I don't believe any charges were pressed. It was considered a misdemeanor, and uh, the team knew about it in advance. It just seems like I know. I know we did a lot of this ourselves. Like we sensationalized a lot of the things that Antonio Brown was going through. Um, I will say, throwing a bike is an interesting move. Like if, if you're driving, you can't throw your car. You can't throw a bus pass at somebody. That's not going to do anything. Bike's probably one of the best weapon vehicles there is. So. If you're gonna throw a bike and the new and the bikes nowadays are super light, like I have a speed yeah. bike and you can you can whip that thing. But I gave Antonio Brown two weeks, two weeks. And that's but exactly not, what happened. This is it's not even tell you he didn't get there because this happened before. That's it. It doesn't look like he'll be suspended. Uh, the team allegedly. I, I don't want to talk about this guy anymore, man. I don't want to talk about this guy. Anymore. But is, that, is that why he keeps doing it? Is it so that he gets yes, <laughs> yes. Last year was the same thing. Every week, every Wednesday, he would come out with a tweet about him retiring or not retiring or how he was screwed or how this and that and that. He only wants attention. Don't give him the attention. We won't hear about these fucking stories anymore. The guy is a shit show. There's something wrong with him. To, to me, the big the question is, if you're Vegas, right, and you were setting odds in terms of what shenanigans were was Antonio Brown going to pull this time around, throwing a bike was not on your list, right? <laughs> like you were like drug induced binge, Honestly, driving intoxicated, could... baby. No, 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 none of those things. None of those things. I would never I, tantrums, temper tantrums. Is somebody that wants attention goes through tantr temper tantrums, and he only wants attention. Well, I would say the thing that would most likely derail it is he still has a pending sexual assault case against him. Um, that's more the big one, in my opinion, than throwing a bike. I was really and, hoping for a music video, but a music, another music video. Another music video, yeah. All right. Um, so you guys saw Nuke's catch, DeAndre Hopkins coming down with that hail mary in the corner. Of course, corner. I did. Jump man. So how how many how many Nike gloves do you think were sold that day? Eagle, can you find out if there's been an article or something about how many gloves have been sold after that? Catch? I don't think there's a number of gloves, but I think they said something about how he single-handedly improved Nike's value by five million dollars with that catch or something. Air like that. Jordan. Air Jordan's value because they have a separate value than Nike does. So Nike, yeah, it's the father company. But Air Jordan's stock went through the fucking roof after that. Yeah. I uh, Honestly, it was something I was absolutely – it was just a great play to watch. First of all, just seeing Kyler being able to escape. All these things about Kyler being too short, not having the arm strength. And you know what? He just made a baller play at the end of the game. And as a Dolphins fan, Terry, like seeing the Bills lose this way, I'm gonna say it. I, I think I think the Dolphins are going to the playoffs, man. I think uh, they might win that division. I, I can't believe I'm actually saying this and not being facetious. Well, it's Imagine. not the Jets that we know. The That's Patriots are gonna go 500, maybe. But the Patriots have just beat just beat the, the Ravens. The Patriots have done well in specific situations. I just don't think if they can if Cam needs to get rolling. If Cam gets rolling, you can forget about your Dolphins winning the division. But it doesn't look like it's happening. So like anytime soon. Now the Dolphins have a good chance of winning. I'm not taking anything away from him. I just it's just another 
will they do well in the playoffs? They might be able to squeeze in a what game here. I have a quarterback for 10 years now. This is the first time I can say this. I six, like six, six years, six years, six years. Give me 10, give me 10. So Come on, give me 10. If they're not winning, if they're not winning this year, I'm good with it. For the first time ever, I'm good with that. I'm good with that, Terry. I'm good with that. He, he's going to – a 10-year quarterback, yes, but he will only have played six full seasons. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, you can't guarantee injuries, right, like we learned? That's true. The the uh, the NBA trade window is open and the draft is this evening. Uh, we will talk about the draft later, but for now we'll get into some of the stuff that's happened. Terry, as the show has happened, more trades have happened. Crazy. Um, so we'll we'll get to that immediately. Um, the first one was after Danny Green got traded. After Danny Green got traded to the Thunder, the Thunder then traded him for Al Horford, but. <laughs> Al Horford was coupled with a first and second round pick in exchange for Danny Green. They're they're literally uh, selling off the contract of Al Horford in exchange for Danny Green because Danny Green expires at the end of next year. So it gives them cap space to go for one of the the whales that should be available in that free agent class. Uh, One of them, of course, being your favorite player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So that's what that represents to me. Uh, So that's a big one that had happened. I was thinking about this. Daryl Morey, he's not the only guy to look at analytics. He's not the most talented general manager. The one thing I will give him credit for is he's a guy who always goes for it. Uh, you know, they had the chance to go get Russell Westbrook, go for it. They have a chance to play this style where they're all small and they shoot a bunch of three-pointers. Whatever, let's let's go, go for it. Let's try it. Let's try it out. Not willing to be satisfied with the results. He's going to get to um, Philadelphia and he's going to see the sort of Skill sets of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons that don't quite mesh together. How do you think he reacts to that? How do you think who reacts to that? Daryl Moore? Daryl Moore as the new GM of the Sixers. Reacts to what? To having Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Oh, okay, okay. I was, I was trying. Together. Okay, yeah. So I, I mean, I think he's going to realize that this this thing doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to realize that, like we've been we've been saying it for a long time, is that I have a guy who can't shoot, and I have another guy. Who needs to stay with under the rim? Where am I getting? Where am I getting my my shots from? How how are we going to be able to build this team? We have two great players, two amazing assets that aren't working well together. We need to get rid of one of them, and I think Joel Embiid's going to be the guy. I think, and, yeah, I think Joel Embiid's going to go to a team. He's going to be he's going to go to a contender and do well because Joel Embiid is a world class player. Obviously, Simmons is not the shooter that that James Harden is, but. Um, when you see Ben Simmons play, he's very good at driving and kicking. And Daryl, uh, Daryl Morey, and and uh, uh, my, I can see his face. I can't think of the, the last coach of the Rockets. Um, the Rockets, yeah. Mike D'Antoni. Mike, yes, Mike D'Antoni. Sorry, <laughs> the 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 thing they did with James Harden, the thing that they helped develop in his game, is that driving kick. They surrounded him with so many three point shooters, and now you have that, but playing at almost seven feet tall on a super thick frame, a guy who can legitimately do damage at the rim. The problem is, is that him and Embiid just clutter that space, right? So I, I, tend, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I, I think they're going to look for a, a shooting big man or just based on Murray's history, just maybe move away from having that, that traditional big man in the first place. Yeah, exactly. uh, we have James Harden. One of the rumors is James Harden rumored in a trade to the Nets. The, the Nets, of course, want to do it in a way where they'd be able to get KD, Harden, and Kyrie Irving. I actually think, and I wrote an article about this on HostileSports.ca, um, I actually think that they have the trade capital to do it, 
if the nets if the if the rockets really are uh trying to rebuild and just move away from the, the, the what their team has been for the last few years uh they have the trade equity to do it they can trade a piece like deandre jordan if they want to go away from small ball and go back to big ball that's the opportunity Love um, big balls. <laughs> yes big balls indeed um and what happens is you get harden who's a ball dominant player but low-key you get Kyrie Irving, who used to play with ball-dominant LeBron, and KD, who used to play with Russell Westbrook, I think this is something that can actually work, even though a lot of people are not going to see it. They're going to see three guys with personalities that, you know, they might not see how it all comes together. But I actually see from a basketball perspective, I think this can come together. I think that I think that w- the right pieces in place has will will. Be able, you need to, the thing is Houston's a good market, right? It's a big market. They should be able to rebuild. And Harden, they're all going to offer him fifty million dollars, and he's refusing it. Then, like, we don't want you anymore. That's it. If if we're offering you this money and you don't and you don't want to come and you don't want to sign with us, we're not going to do anything for you anymore because we literally made you the highest paid player in the league when you're not the best player in the league, right? I mean, mm-hmm. market determines your value. But yeah, I mean, I don't think he's the best player in the league. He's I mean, probably- he's. He's the best Maybe shooter. The probably the two best offensive players in the league. Best shooter in the league, but we're gonna say I can say LeBron, Kawhi. I can tell you that Giannis. I can tell you these guys are better basketball players than James Harden. James Harden is a much better shooter. Specifically from a scoring perspective. Scoring. We've, we've never seen anything like James Harden. Never. I agree. I agree to that. I'll never deny well, that. What I'm just saying is that. What about the other side? Of that sort of potential trade. Um, him going, teaming back up it. with KD and. Kyrie Irving. That's what I'm saying. So, so Houston's gonna be okay. You know what? Fuck it. We'll rebuild. We're not gonna give you any. Uh, we're not gonna give you a penny more than what we offered you. So we're gonna trade you. We're gonna trade you, and we're gonna hold you and get the most we can get. We're not gonna play you any favors. This is, if, if I was Houston, this is how I would play it. We're not gonna do you any favors and take a lesser deal than what we think you're worth or what we think we can get from the from the Nets. They should they should they should get the next seven first round picks from the Nets and whatever. Maybe uh, is Dinwiddie still there? Uh, maybe yeah. get him. Maybe I would take him, you know what I mean? Take him and a few first-round picks and a few second-round picks, whatever it is, but really sell the house for this guy because I think that the Nets are trying to do what I think is absolutely disgusting and what LeBron created in the NBA where it's a super team and everybody just wants to stack and everybody runs away from LeBron James. And everybody um, wants to stack. LeBron James goes to the West, everybody goes to the East. LeBron James That's a made-up media narrative because... No, it's my narrative. I didn't even read anything about that. The, the NBA has always had super teams. There's never been a... Th- what do you think the Bulls were? What do you think the Bulls were getting right? for what do you, do you think like the, the, the boston celtics that had walton I, bench? i'm, I'm agree I, I agree with that the super team but it now it's so public and it's so in your face yeah okay the co the 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 celtics were a super team in 2011 the or 2009 the uh lakers were a super team when they had kobe gasol and all that and all, and all those guys and bynum and all that stuff i i agree with that but now these guys were all not they're not uh, they're not uh, homegrown, is what I mean. Right, but, so, but what you're saying is you prefer you prefer that they stay with the billionaire owner than they create a better experience for themselves. No, I prefer that if the le- if you want this league to grow, you need it that you need to have parity. And when this guy goes to the Nets, it just shows that all he wants is a championship, and he doesn't care about loyalty to the team that offered him fifty million dollars to be the highest paid, one hundred three million dollars on top of the one hundred thirty three million dollars they've already paid him. So but he'll make that money anywhere because he's not going to make fifty million dollars in the Nets. And I and I can respect him taking a budget because he'll do a sign and trade with the Nets. 
Okay, so I can respect that. I can respect that he's he might take a pay cut to play for a team because he wants to win. And I know that these guys are so ultra competitive and they just want to win. But there has to be some integrity to the point where you 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 win the game with your you build the team around yourself. You know what I mean? We can make fun of LeBron James all we want, but it's other than other than the Miami, where was his super team? Like he had a super team this year with him and AD. It was two players, but now he's going to go to a team that has four, three of the best players in the league. What? But this was a, this was a strange year where nobody had that that three those three players, right? Like those were the two best players playing together on a team. I don't know. I just I just can't respect the guy, and I never really I was never a huge Harden guy. I respected him for you know he's a great like you said one of the best offensive shooters we've ever seen, but. I just never respected the guy. He's a diver. I just I feel like there's something there that I don't like, and this move to me is trash. I find it's trash that he's get, he's begging for a trade. Westbrook wants out. Maybe there's something with D'Antoni. It's like all these guys. It's like I, they want they want the easy route. That's the way I see it. KD did it. Uh, now Harden's doing it. Westbrook tried to do it. Paul George. They all want the easy route. They all want the easy route. I don't think it's easy. I think what it is is that it's look, this is their careers. If you and I had an opportunity to go to a good working environment where your job is easier and you make the same money or relatively the same money and you have a more enjoyable work experience. We're not, talking, we, about, we're not talking about working at call centers here. We're talking about playing basketball. You're playing basketball against the best in the world every day. Of course. It's but, the same but, job. But but still, it's still it's still a career and, and you still want to have the opportunity that A, makes you look the best in terms of if you're going to look KD people in, invalidated his career because he didn't have a championship then he was going to get a championship and people invalidated his career again i don't understand that he played great in the championship but he did what he he, he basically it's it's wrong I, I i don't it's morally wrong to me is that if you're a guy like KD all the all three of those guys Westbrook KD and Harden it's like they had the same therapist or something that they're all like no you just go to the best team possible and win there it to me if you want to talk about legacy which both those guys do talk about legacy it, their legacy is tarnished to me and the reason why it's tarnished is because if they go to, if they if they win if they go out in the east okay and they win the reason why they're going to the East now is because they see that Miami Heat was there and they had no stars. If he joined the Heat, I'd be like, different story. Because the Heat were missing something. The Nets are fine. You know what I mean? And, and it just, it's it kind of, you have to look out for yourself, and I get that, but it ruins the league. Nobody's going to cheer for the for the, the Phoenix Suns when they're playing against the, let's say, whatever. Let's say they're playing against the Nets. Nobody's going to cheer for the Nets. Nobody's going to cheer for the Heat. Nobody's going to cheer for these teams because we have 10 guys in this league that basically decide who's going where. And it's players. It's not managers. It's not owners. It's it's not players. Why should it be managers? Why should it be why should it be owners? Why why shouldn't people be in charge of their own careers? But that's the bad part about basketball. You see basketball very different than I do. You're an NBA guy. I'm not. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see it as there's three teams in the league and everybody else can go fuck themselves. And it's now it's yeah. gonna become it's gonna be that every single year. Where, where if we look at it in hockey, I, I don't know who's gonna win the Stanley Cup at the beginning of the year. Because I mean, I, there's I mean, something in place that tells me that I'm gonna watch a good game every fucking night. Every night I'm watching a good game. Every night I'm watching. I watch the uh, every Sunday morning. I watch the EPL, and I know I'm gonna watch a good game with basketball. I don't know if I'm gonna watch a good game. And why the hell would I tune in to the first three quarters when I could just watch the fourth quarter? And that's what it's looking at right now. James Harden is gonna join KD and Kyrie in, in Brooklyn, and they're just gonna walk through everybody, okay? Because it's just they're stacked. They're an all-star team already, and mm-hmm. fuck everybody else. And that's basically what it is. Well, but the thing is, the thing is, is that. You're also looking at it sort of in the micro, whereas for me, I look at it and say, 
man, those four years of finals of Cavs versus Warriors were great. great. Those, those championship series between the Spurs and the Heat were great. You know what I mean? So, like, yes, year to year, I can get what you're saying, but when you look back upon it, I actually don't think it tarnishes sort of the history of the league. It, it actually, in sort of a strange way, sort of adds to, to the legacy because you have these great series that you remember, and these series last three, four, five years at a time, you know? But anyway, we'll move on to, to the... Yeah, I, agree. To, I, can, I can agree to that. Chris Paul uh, moves to the Suns. I actually think this is a great move. Uh, they they uh, traded Kelly Oubre, uh, Ricky Rubio, uh, Ty Jerome, and Jalen Lekeck. Uh, um, I, I like the move. I think Chris Paul fits perfectly. It's a really young team. So what they've done is create a team where you still have DeAndre Ayton on his rookie contract. Booker signed for slightly under the max. Chris Paul will probably renegotiate for a little bit under the max and get a couple of years tacked on just to get a little bit more of the paycheck. But then they'll be able to sign a, another max player before DeAndre Ayton really, uh, before you have to pay him essentially. So the NBA is play for now. You're seeing this, right? Like, like you're saying, if you're seeing the Nets loading up, for example, or if you see LeBron trying to get a piece to, uh, to the Lakers, you, you have to compete right away because – before you know it, Devin Booker might be gone. DeAndre Ayton may be gone. So you need to you need to play for now. And I like to move a lot. What do you think? Um, I, we spoke about it in our group chat, and I think it's a great move for the Suns. I think that they needed a guy like that, like a leader. Like what he did with with Oklahoma City. They really, they didn't really have anybody, and they made a run. You know, they brought Houston to to Game Seven. So it's I, I, I like I like the move, and I love Chris Paul. I've always been a fan. One year older doesn't change anything. He's still general out there. He's going to be able to command everything. Devin Booker. What's going to happen with that is that now, he's is it Devin? Is it Devin, Devin Booker? It yeah. is Devin Booker. Okay. Um, he's going to be able to. He's going. He, he's going to be able to like loosen up a bit. He's not going to have all the pressure on him, and I think that's going to be great for Devin Booker. We're going to see Devin Booker thrive in this yeah. situation where he's a world class player. World class. I agree. Uh, so I was going to talk about two moves that the Bucks made, but one just changed, and I, I will get to that in a second. But for now, let's talk about the first move they made on Monday. They acquired Drew Holiday for Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and some picks. Um, it's clear to me that they're just trying to show Giannis, look, it didn't work out. This is what we're going to try and do. We're going to try and give you other options, other talent to, to, to see if we can make that work. They're just trying to do what they can to sign Giannis long-term. Uh, by showing a commitment to like, hey, we're going to try and put a winner together. But when I see it, Terry, um, I don't really see a remarkable difference between Eric Bledsoe and Drew Holiday. Like, they're both quality second-tier point guards. And that's pretty much what it is. I mean, Drew Holiday, I mean, he's Drew Holiday's got a name, and he played really well last year. So I think we look at Drew Holiday a little differently than we do Eric Bledsoe. Only because, Eric, only because Eric Bledsoe was – sorry? He also – like, so he had the opportunity to take all the shots – that's it. And Only because Eric, Eric Bledsoe. That's it. Only because Eric Bledsoe was uh, was kind of uh, under Giannis's uh, shadow. That's the that's the only thing. Eric Bledsoe is a great player. So is Drew Holiday. I'm a big fan of Drew Holiday. I think it's a good move. Now the only thing with Giannis is that I don't know how he can take that because he's a big, you know, loyal family guy. My brothers and that so you took three of his guys away from him and him and george hill were very close and he took three of those guys away from him to bring in a guy he doesn't really know that well i don't know how that's going to measure but i do know that drew holiday is a great player and they're going to be in the mix somehow there's and no way, there's no way they make that trade without running it by Giannis. that's what i'm saying is if did they run it did they run it by him i mean i hope they did 
Well, if they didn't, I think that he would have been like, you know what, fuck this shit, I'm out too. So it looked like Bogdan, Bogdan uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich was involved in a sign and trade that would send him from the Sacramento Kings for Dante DiVincenzo, Ersan Yudhiasova, and DJ Wilson. But what just broke now, Terry, just as we're doing the show, is uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is not going to sign a uh, sign and trade. So he that trade is not going to happen. He's instead going to uh, try to see what he can get through restricted market. So. I mean, he, he could, he'll have a lot of suitors, that's for sure. I mean, if quality players like that, he'll get paid more than he would have if he got a sign and trade. He, but the thing is, he's a restricted free agent. So, okay. like, he, I, don't, I don't really understand what the benefit is for Bogdanovich because with the sign and trade, he gets paid quicker. He gets to his big contract a year earlier. And um, but he, he, might, gets, he might want his money now, arbitration. He might be able to get a lot more through arbitration. I don't know. I don't know how the CBA works when it comes to that kind of thing. So, but so he he basically needs to work with the Kings to either orchestrate another trade. It could be he just didn't want to go to Milwaukee. I don't know. It's it's strange. I mean, who wants to go to Milwaukee? Like, really wants to? Maybe yeah, everyone lives in Chicago. If you play in Milwaukee, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe he just doesn't like Chicago. Maybe he owes money <laughs> someone there or something. Um, the uh, last quick one I want to get to before um, before we go to our interview with Julian McKenzie of uh, TSN 690 Montreal Gazette uh, from his own podcast, which he he does so many jobs. We'll, we'll talk about that with him as well. But I want to talk about this one trade that happened. Uh, Schrader went to the Lakers, um, and the talk has been that their big target is DeMar DeRozan. They don't have the salary capital to make it happen because, Terry, as you know, you need to match – salaries uh, in the NBA to, to, to make trades. So one of the ideas, for example, is a sign-in trade with uh, Kyle Kuzma. And I think Dennis Schrader might be one of those pieces who's on a move during the season or at the deadline to bring in someone like DeMar DeRozan to, make, uh, to get LA their, their big three. So you think that Schrader was brought in to trade for DeMar DeRozan? It has that kind oh. of... I, I, you know what... I didn't think about it that way, but that's actually that's actually pretty smart. I mean, Demar Derozan it would be a nice piece for them to have. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm a big I'm a big Derozan guy. I thought he was good uh, in Toronto, and I think that he just kind of got lost in the media shuffle that is the Western Conference in San Antonio. And I think we 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 look past how good he actually is, and we've seen him firsthand here in Canada how good he is. You know, and yeah. I, as much as I like Schrader, I think he's a fucking phenomenal player, quick, you know, good shooter. I think DeRozan brings a different value to the to the Lakers, and I I would rather if I was a Lakers fan, I'd rather a guy like DeRozan. Yeah, and I, LeBron always wants to play with other stars, right? So I, I yeah. think DeRozan kind of fits that a bit better. Also, um, for now, DeRozan's a lot better now. Maybe Schrader's yeah. a little bit better for the future. Um, the about, Lakers don't care about the future. Well, they're, about, they're about the same age. I think uh, oh. twenty nine and Schrader's twenty seven. No he, way. Schrader's well, a lot younger than that. Schrader's twenty seven. He's been in the league for a while. Um, Eagle, if you can get to Rosen's age, I can, I'd appreciate that. And and Schrader. The um, the Rosen is thirty-one. Thirty-one. How many hold the Schrader? Schroeder. Getting there. Because I know you don't know him. Uh, Paul Schroeder is seventy-four. Nope. nope. Schroeder. Oh, fuck, they're the same. <laughs> I thought he was older. <laughs> I thought Paul Schroeder died. I don't even know what Paul Schroeder is. But you definitely did not think he was alive. No, I didn't think he was alive. Um, while Eagle brings that, uh, digs that up, uh, the one thing I was going to say is I like Rosen because he fits that transition. 27. Off. 27. 27. Okay. So four-year difference. Yeah, which is more than I thought. I thought DeRozan was a, a touch younger. Yeah. 
but so DeRozan's very good in transition on both sides of the ball, which fits the Lakers really well. But in the half-court sets, which you need a lot in the playoffs, he tends to work in the same parts of the court that LeBron does. But I said the same thing about Rajon Rondo, and I was very wrong because Rajon Rondo really Rondo did, yeah. in the championship. And I, th- I think that's the benefit of playing with someone as skilled as LeBron is he just brings the best out in you. So I definitely would like to see uh, a better version of DeRozan than we even saw in Toronto. Absolutely. But we'll talk about Toronto and other other Canadian cities and how they relate to the NBA with Julian McKenzie. He joins us next. This show is brought to you by Mike's BBQ Rub, home of the best rubs in town and La Salle's barbecue sauce. Peas. Just like Rubbercraft, I can't resist a good rub down, and Mike's Barbecue Sauce is the best rub down in town. So visit Mike's BBQ Rub, MTL.com, and use Hot Sauce 10 promo code for 10% off on all individual bottles. That's Hot Sauce 10 for 10% off, and don't forget to rub your meat peas. Welcome back, everyone. We're joined by Julian McKenzie. Uh, Julian joins us from a billion places. Uh, of course, notably CTV Montreal. Uh, he also does... Uh, his own podcast at it's, a, it's the Scrum Podcast. He's with TSN six ninety as well. Uh, Yahoo Canada Sports, Montreal Gazette. Essentially, anytime you turn on a screen, you should see Julian McKenzie. If not, you're simply not trying. Uh, Julian, I'm sure I missed some of the stuff. Eagle, feel free during the the interview to remind us of other things Julian does. Dude, when do you sleep? Um. When it's time for me to sleep, I guess. I don't know. I just, uh, in the overnight hours, I, I find myself going to bed at 2 or 3 o'clock uh, a lot. I had, a, I had an instance about a week or two ago where I was working overnight shifts and I was doing like 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. So uh, my sleep schedule can vary on any given day, literally. So, yeah, I sleep when it's time for me to sleep. And I try to sleep in as, as much as I can. So sometimes I'll have days where, like, you're not going to see me out of my room until, like, 2, 3 o'clock in the, in the afternoon. So it varies. That's fair. That's fair. Um, before I let Terry dive in with the, the hard-hitting questions, <laughs> I do. I think there's only one place, given that the NBA uh, trading window is open, that tonight is the beginning of the NBA draft. There's only one place we can start at. And it's uh, with a recent tweet of yours that I saw. Uh, you mentioned that you believe it's way too early for Christmas music. I completely <laughs> agree. I think it's absolute nonsense. Like just the fact that it was it wasn't even Halloween this year and I'm walking through stores and I see like Christmas trees out, I, I was losing my mind. I, I can't like did, did we forget? I understand like American Thanksgiving is not a thing here. Um it's something I've always celebrated. I have family and friends you know, in the US, but I just it just feels like it spaces it out better. Is this just a Canadian problem? Um I'd like to think this is going to be a world thing. You know what? I won't say it's a problem. I will say that because of some of the different difficulties a lot of people have endured in 2020 because of the coronavirus pandemic, I think a lot of people are using this as an excuse to put out their lights and blast Mariah Carey, uh, All I Want for Christmas is You. It's Great just song. for me, like, as much as I love Christmas – uh, you know, I don't believe in in getting all into that on like November 12th. You know, and what's funny yeah. is there was one guy who tweeted at me who said that Christmas music should be played from November 12th all the way to uh, near midnight entering Christmas. So you mean to tell me that for about a whole month before Christmas, 
you want to be festive for Christmas, but at Christmas, as soon as it's done, then you don't want to be Christmas. And people do that too. Like as soon as Christmas is over, Boxing Day and all that, everyone's all like, ah, oh, you know, Christmas is over. Get rid of all the stuff. Get all selling stuff. No, 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 no. So you are out here trying to advocate for Christmas to be a whole year thing. And then when Christmas comes around, you don't care for it anymore. Because I'm big on Christmas being a two-week thing. Like I'll, in a non-pandemic world, my Christmas is spending time with my family, visiting other family members, and enjoying two weeks off. I know in the last few years I've, I've had to work because mainly my 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 way of generating income is filling in for people. But that's also part of the fun too, I, I find for myself. Like I, I don't, I mean, sometimes I get a little restless just being on break for too long. So I don't mind necessarily going into to work on, on days just a little after Christmas. So to hear people be all like, oh, well, it's a little, it's like December 28th, Christmas is over. I'm like, really? You're the same people who who want to play Christmas music like the whole year round. I have a oh, friend who like sends me weeks, right. Like they they started yeah. they, they peaked too early. It's like it's like getting drunk at nine p.m. Like you you did it you did it too quick. The thing is, my playbook is as follows: is starting December first. You, you know that's when you can put up your your decorations. You can start streaming Christmas movies. Christmas Eve, you gotta do Die Hard. And I only take down the Christmas lights when it's plus fifteen because I'm not going back outside unless I have to. Why did that guy say November 12th specifically? Why that date? It's I don't like know why November 12th. I don't know why November 12th. I think it was more just to highlight the fact that, you know, uh, once it gets to mid-November and you're you're starting to get closer and closer to Christmas, I guess that's when you can start to to be festive and, and jolly and holly and all and holy and all that. I don't know. I I don't know. I I think people get a little weird with Christmas. I, I like the holiday. I like the things you're able to do. I know things will be very different in the pandemic in 2020, but I think it's a little too much to be playing uh, Christmas music at Dollarama in the middle of November. Like it's it's too weird. Like I don't I don't care to hear Christmas music right now. I, I don't know. It's just too soon. Even in I, the pandemic. I agree. Like I agree I don't with know. you. I agree with you. I think I think American Thanksgiving is the cutoff. I think that's the earliest you can start. But December first is like the date. And then after, like you said, like you said, Julian, people forget about Christmas immediately after. I'm not a huge Christmas guy. I enjoy being with my family and stuff like that. But I'm not a guy that's going to be black. And I will sing my ass off when Mariah Carey comes on. That's 100 percent though. I love You're that song. You, have I, you can't you can't not sing it, Julian. You know what I mean? And uh, so I, I'm the type of guy that you are you going to sing it right now? I mean, if you want me to. Sure. See, I don't want to have to ruin I don't want to take over the interview, Julian. No, you know no, I mean? no, no. This no. is your you time. Said, it's not my you time. You said you were going to sing it. You might as well sing it. What are we yeah. doing here? Acapella, baby. Acapella. Let's do Acapella. it. You got to give the people break what out they my want. Ukulele. You have to the... give the people what they want, Terry Tam. The thing, that's the thing is I don't think anybody wants to hear me sing, Julian. Well, you brought it up, so. No, you asked me to sing. No, 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 no. I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not answering another question until you at least give us a bar or two. I Christmas is you. How about that? Huh? You didn't have to sing it as Mariah Carey, to be yeah. fair. Because well, I don't know how, I don't know how else Carey. to sing other songs. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. I can only sing songs with the way the, the musician sings it. I can't, I'm not a singer. Oh, I thought you could do the opposite. I thought you were going to say that you can only sing it with the Mariah Carey voice. So if you're singing yeah. Barry White, you still go sing with Mariah, Mariah Carey. Yeah. Like Mariah Carey has to be in the room with him. Yeah, yeah exactly. So Anything you sing, anything at all. Phil Collins, it's going to be Mariah Carey, no matter what. My, my brother, my brother put up his stuff, his Christmas stuff, and I, you know, I, I don't want to be his brother anymore. Right, makes sense. 
Um, Julian, who's the who's gonna be the first pick in the NBA draft tonight? Man, it's kind of tough. Uh, I think it'll be LaMelo Ball, and I think LeVar Ball will be very happy. Uh, he seems to be the guy. Uh, he seems to have been this... It seemed destined for quite some time that he'd be the number one guy for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, I know some people have looked at guys like James Wiseman as well. I don't know if Anthony Edwards is going to be that guy anymore, considering what's been coming out from him recently with the story that came out in ESPN a few days ago, which is really interesting that a lot of people are harping on the fact that he said that he doesn't really watch basketball when he, uh, when he's not really playing. I actually just watched in uh, a segment on ESPN where they discussed it. I think like Vince Carter, Matt Barnes and Kendrick Perkins were all talking about it. And Vince Carter pointed out that a lot of younger players now, they're, you know, once they're done playing basketball, they just go play video games or play Netflix. There's a whole generation of guys who are coming up and they don't, it's not necessarily that they don't like the sport. They're not necessarily going to invest so much of their time away from the court watching basketball. They're going to do other things. They're probably going to check social media like you and I do, you know, uh, that being said, the best players in the world, like LeBron James and Kevin Durant, like every waking moment, they find a way to incorporate basketball in their life. So if you want to be great, it's proven that you kind of have to over-obsess over the the uh, the job that you love doing. When In this case, it's basketball. So to answer your question, I think Lamel, I would think LaMelo Ball would be the number one guy. Um, I think there are obviously a few interesting players that will probably go second or third. I'm not an NBA draft expert. Uh, I'm more interested in the Kareem Mane story, the guy from uh, from Vanny College who's looking to get drafted. He may go undrafted at the end of the night, but who knows? I'm, I'm more just kind of focusing on that story. I got to talk to him about like a month or two ago. He seems like a good kid. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's LaMelo Ball will go number one, but uh, I'm more interested in some of the other storylines that are starting to poke out from uh, the NBA. Uh, I messaged Kareem a few days ago so he can come on and, uh, you know, empty. We haven't gotten any answers back. We're waiting till after the draft, hopefully. He might be kind of busy right now. I was like, good luck, buddy. You know, we support you in Montreal, that stuff. You know, I went, I played football at Vangay. Like, I, I pulled at his heartstrings a bit, you know. Let's see what happens. Um, so you don't think he's going to get drafted where you said if he, 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 might, he might get left off the board. Um, if he As doesn't I say, get... I don't think he'll get drafted. I think... Um, I want him to get drafted. That's course. more just like a, a thing to kind of fuel the story just because I, when I interviewed him for, for CP, uh, just hearing his story about how, you know, uh, he got into the sport a little, not necessarily like late in his development, but maybe, you know, you see a lot of kids who are in the game. Now they play at a certain young age and the fact that he would essentially create basketball history if he gets taken because you, you hear so many stories of these kids from Canada you know, they they come up, they play for some prep school. They you have a whole bunch of them playing in the NCAA now, uh, whether for one year, two years, or three years, or whatever, and then they make it to the league. But if Kareem gets drafted out of CJEP, imagine uh, if you're a U Sports school or, uh, or even a CJEP. How if you're a coach of one of, in one of those programs right now? You are jumping for joy at Kareem Mane being taken because so many of these kids think that it's just the U.S. college route, or nothing that will see them into the league. But as the talent pool starts to get better in Canada, uh, U-sports and, and Canadian university institutions have a huge role to play in the development of Canadian players. And they could always point to a guy like Kareem Manning and Taken to entice a player to stay 
so they could carry on their dream of, of playing in the league because there are a lot of kids now who obviously still see the U.S. as a, as a viable way of, of getting themselves drafted or getting themselves noticed by U.S. scouts. And Kareem Mane is proving that it's not necessarily the case. You can stay home and you can get looked at. This is a guy who his, his team was saying that almost half the league was, was looking at him at, at one point. They were trying to reach out to him for different interviews and stuff. So I think for Kareem, I don't know if he'll get drafted. I'd like to see him get drafted for the story of it. I've spoken to a few people about it. They think that uh, there's a chance he might not get drafted. And there there is a chance that might always happen. But you could always end up like a Lugans Dort and not get drafted, but get immediately signed by a team, show your worth, and you end up being a solid NBA player. So I, I think for Kareem Mane, uh, especially in these circumstances where there, I don't think there's really been any opportunity for him to do any workouts for teams. The conditions have been so different for NBA prospects as opposed to any other set of prospects in the history of this league, considering we're in a pandemic. If Kareem gets drafted, it will be historic and just unprecedented considering what NBA prospects have had to go through just kind of waiting this process out to see if they get picked. So you sorry, PZ. So you mentioned you mentioned the prep school route, and I work in I work for uh, I run a, an event for prep schools. It's a showcase for hockey. We moved into football, and we eventually we're going to get into basketball. Basketball is really tough to get into. Well, it's easy to get into because everybody wants to go to the states. All the kids want to get a prep school in the states. So it's it's what other than Kareem. What has Quebec done to really pump basketball here in Quebec? I mean, we have so many. I think like Montreal is probably the mecca of basketball in Canada when it comes to talent, let's say. Montreal, well, at least Quebec. I feel like Quebec has so many so many talented players that we hear about and then really nothing ever falls and nothing, nothing ever happens after. And, and I feel like it's kind of that where it's like they're always leaving, you know, and every player is always going to the States, going to the States. And yeah, obviously it's a good route to go to the States. If you go to Berkshire Prep, you're going to get, you'll probably get, and you play basketball there and you're in your, in your top five you're going to get a D1 offer if you're good enough. You know what I mean, obviously. And you'll get a D1 offer. It might not be to Alabama. It might not be to UConn or whatever, but you're going to get a D1 offer. And that's the thing is that Kareem might be, he might revolutionize basketball in Quebec or at least in in, in Montreal because of his talent. And and it's, it's an interesting point that you mentioned that. And and I think that to your point, Kareem is, he has, he has big, he's, he can be a mega star just on that fact just on the fact that he might change the way we look at where he was raised. And Lou Gensdor tweeted out today, uh, you know, in support of him and things like that. And I think that goes a long way too, where Lou Gensdor and his profile everywhere, it's Montreal North, Montreal North, you know. So, so I think that if we, if these players embrace where they're from and Montreal, how good basketball is in Montreal, I think it can go a long way. And we're going to see a lot of guys follow Kareem's path. But to add to your point, uh, the players themselves can embrace Montreal as much as they want. They can embrace Quebec as much as we as they want. It's for people like me and and pe even people like yourselves, people who have the microphones, people who have access to do stories and, and work for different outlets. They also have to embrace those. And even people who click on these stories as well and, and say that they want this type of content from this place and this type of content from another place who also have to embrace these stories as well, embrace these people as well. Because, you know, you'll hear it from so many people in the city. Uh, that uh, Montreal is is a Montreal Canadiens town. Not even necessarily a hockey city, but a Montreal yeah. Canadiens town. But I'm still of the mindset that as uh, more millennials come about, 
uh, and Gen Zers and Gen Alphas or whatever, as, as the younger generations start to be more of the dominant force in the city, that's going to change. I, and not to say that hockey is going to completely die out. We're just going to see a situation where more and more people are going to care about more and more sports, but also they're going to be kind of divvied around in different directions in terms of where they get their sources, which is a whole other story. But that's all to say, like, when a guy like Kareem Mane gets drafted, like, that should be seen as, like, a big deal, you know? That should, you know, like, if you, like, I would imagine that should be seen as, like, a big deal for the city. Like, that's something that, like, you know, like, not a lot of NBA players, I mean, how many NBA players from Montreal have come up? Like, what, Samuel D'Alembert, Joel Anthony's won two rings. He won two NBA championships with LeBron James. How many people uh, know that? Lugans Dort uh, held James Harden. In a, in a series, and if it wasn't for a game seven, where look at it, Luke Gantz had like thirty points in game seven, thirty points, yeah, this yeah. close, this close to beating James Harden in a series. And if it's not for, if it wasn't for guys like Mo Khan, if it wasn't for guys like Pete Yiannopoulos, uh, Dwight Walton, Dwight Walton oh. in this city is a guy who's played for Team Canada. Uh, I mean, obviously he played for Dawson and all that, but this is a guy who played for our national country at basketball. Has played against some of the best players in the world. I think the world of this guy. I see this guy at a barbershop. I embarrass him like crazy and say, do you know who this guy is? And he's just <laughs> like, dude, I don't need this praise. But these are guys that like we yeah. need to big up in this city. Guys in the past and guys in the future who are coming up as well. We need to big up. We need to show that you know, it's not just a small handful of people in the city who care about basketball. So all that to say, like, we need people here to give more of a damn about basketball uh, so that way, their stories, guys like Kareem Mane, guys like Luke Stewart, don't just get buried in favor of talk about Jordan Wheel not playing, play, still playing on the power play, which I'm sure you guys have a question about later on in this podcast. No, we don't really Maybe care about Maybe not Jordan that. Wheel specifically, but like Havstock. <laughs> you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Habs are always involved. Like it, when we talk, we mentioned we. And I don't mind. I cover the Habs. I'm just saying. Of course, yeah, yeah, of course. You have to in the city, right? It's what it is. It's like you're not you're going to Dallas. You're not not covering the Cowboys. You know, it's the same thing. You know, and well, uh, going up here, um, you know, Montreal is of course we're seeing to hockey what what the Yankees are to to baseball, right? That, that that's what the, the Montreal Canadiens have always been to to hockey, despite this. Uh, most recent downturn for the past, uh, you know, decade or so. But the, the, the thing is, is that it's always been a city um, that growing up, like, you know, I grew up as a huge Expos fan and it broke my heart to see the team lean. But as as I grew up and after that point, it seemed as though more and more people I met were like, yeah, I love baseball, love football, love basketball. And it, it is, you know, the way that Montreal is sort of like a multicultural city, it also seems to be a multi-sport city. Do you think we're going to see uh, other pro franchises return? I know the rumor is, of course, the Expos, but do you see us ever being able to, let's say, hold down an NBA franchise in the future? I mean, I still think it's possible. I just don't know how soon it'll be, and it also depends on uh, which owner's step up and do it right like yeah. I, I i remember talking to my friend uh, my co-host tristan damore from from the scrum podcast we both kind of agree that if an nba franchise were to come here it would probably work out but you need like the molson group to pretty much bring them in you know because if they're likely going to be playing at the bell center uh if an nba franchise comes in here and we've seen the few times that uh, the toronto raptors came in here people showed out and they they would you know people would show up to games uh when duke the University of Duke, when they had Zion Williamson yeah. and R.J. Barrett, they showed up to Place Bell. Uh, that venue uh, can only hold so many people. They added extra seats. Like, it's 
I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it's still like the most packed sporting event this the venue has ever had. And that was to see uh, Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett play against the McGill University Benz basketball team. Like, there's an appetite for, for sports in this city. Uh, I think of, uh, I mean, not necessarily basketball, but I think of when Real Madrid was here. You see how all those people showed up for our practice? Mm-hmm. There are people who love different sports in this city. It's just about... Uh, who caters to them here. So I think, like, in terms of different franchises coming here, uh, I still think an NBA franchise would work. I don't know how soon that would happen. I also, again, think the right ownership has to be in place to to bring them in, and obviously the NBA has to have interest, and I don't think they'll have interest in having another Canadian city anytime yet, and I'm sure, uh, I'm pretty sure the coronavirus has probably affected any potential expansion plans that they might have thought of uh, to come over in the next little while. But all that to say, like, I don't see why an NBA franchise wouldn't work. You have, uh, if the franchise comes in, they they connect with some of the different basketball people in this city that'll help put bums in the seats. I think an NBA franchise would totally work here. I honestly, I, Julian, I think I'm going to have to disagree with you. I don't see it happening. I'm see, we've seen what happened with the Alouettes where, you know, I, I could talk about, I talked about basketball, how big it is in Quebec, but football is number one in Quebec here when it comes to, well, it's number one in the, in the country. Uh, when it comes to talent, when it comes to exposure, I mean, we do the most here when it comes in this province. And I played football my entire life and I went through the system and it's, it's exposed and we couldn't do anything with the Alouettes this year. I mean, we, as soon as we lost Anthony Calvillo, the, the city, the, 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 Percival was empty. They don't even have their own stadium. They don't even have money to buy their own stadium. So I can't see basketball working. The only way it would work is, to your point, is Molson Group has to come in and do something. And I think that obviously, if it's an NBA team, we're not gonna the, the they're not gonna be starving. I think we're gonna be able to bring in some talent. But another thing is taxes. There's if like we're not going to be able to drag in as much talent as we want to be as we want to. Uh, Toronto has has a tough time doing it already, and they're established. So I mean, it's more of what can we do? They wouldn't have gotten Kawhi if it wasn't through a trade, right? So there's not much talent that's going that's coming to Canada to play basketball, and that's the only part that I'm seeing it. And Mokan years ago told us that there was like this document that he would talk about this 10 page document like it was his bible and he said that this document laid out a a plan to get Montreal a basketball team and I just don't see I don't know anything about business or anything regarding this but I just don't see it happening I just I know how how one-sided our city is and it's always towards uh the, the the habs and then a secondary team is 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 the the impact and even at that they're struggling a bit this year as well because of covid but in general it's hard for them to bring in talent too you're bringing you're bringing up a really important point though like the alouettes after they lost anthony calvillo they've seen some inconsistencies over the past few years it was only in the last season where it started to actually look positive for yeah. them right and if there's one thing i know about montreal and this even goes beyond sports there, there's some fickle people in this city. I have to say it. Like, you know, if you're doing real well, everyone has no problem being around you, going to games, or even if you're just remotely competitive. Like, I remember when, like, the Impact were here in, like, their debut season. It was, like, new. It was fresh and everything. They were still playing some games at the Olympic Stadium. They didn't necessarily make the playoffs, but, like, in almost every game they played, they found themselves in it. It was worth watching, you know? And this season phase. that they're... Like, come on, like, fine for that. But, like, this year is, like, the first time I could – I know they had another year before then where they didn't necessarily do all that well, but they still 
uh, won a Voyager's Cup that I think it was like 2014. I think they had a really bad year. They missed the playoffs, but they still won Voyager's Cup. And that led to the Dream Championship, uh, CONCACAF Championship run for next year, you know. But this year is like the first time, even with Thierry Henry, where I think they tried to really have him be the star and kind of draw people in. But of course, with COVID coming in, no one's able to be in the seats to take advantage of that. But this team was just too inconsistent. And for one thing with Montreal fans, they're big on, on, on teams that are not really a winner, you know. And I know with the Montreal Can- and even with the Montreal Canadiens, it hasn't fully happened yet. But before the shutdown happened, like there were games where uh, fewer and fewer fans were, were showing up in the stands. Like, I I think it's, uh, I think with teams here, just with fans, like I think fans are just super fickle here. So uh, it's, it's sorry to diss up the Montreal fans here, but I think they're, they're, it, they can be very particular with winning teams. And I think when it comes to teams like the Alouettes and the Impact that are, again, not on the same level as an NHL. Those are also two leagues that are not in the big four, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. a lot of people like to show out for some of the bigger, more upscale things. And that's another reason why the NBA would work. The NBA is a very popular league. It's in the big four. It's something that, you know, you're going to see a lot of, like, influencers show up at games, right? Like, it's going to be a cool thing. It's going to be a cool thing to show up at an NBA game as opposed to – and it's not to say going to an Impact game ain't cool or an Alouettes game ain't cool. It, it, the NBA is much different than the CFL oh, and I even agree. Major League Soccer. Oh, I'll never disagree with you on that, that's for sure. It, Montreal is an event city, right? It's yeah. we, 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 we pride ourselves on festivals and all these things. And you're right. Like, the, the, the expectation is, hey, we're, we're a city – we have 4 million people. You have no excuse to not put money into your franchise. That's why the real reason behind the Expos uh, disappearing was they got tired of not of seeing one of the richest owner group, ownership groups in sports not invest in the team. And, well, then why why do we invest? Like, why, why, why should we spend our money if you're not willing to spend yours? Um, Julian McKenzie, of course, joining us, as I said, from a billion different places. We'll run down the list at the end. But one thing I want to talk about right, right now is – uh, your podcast, the Scrum Podcast, that you host with Tristan Damour. The first thing I want to mention about your podcast before you tell us sort of why you decided to join the um, epically crowded atmosphere that is sports podcasts. Um, but I want to call out the artist who did your the the artwork for your your, your podcast. It made Tristan look exactly like Keanu Reeves, and Tristan's a really good-looking dude. <laughs> Reeves. I mean, come on, like he's a little overly flattering. And can this guy can this guy draw me up? Is my question. Yeah, I um, want to look like Keanu Reeves. Uh, uh, name Aloof is uh, her name, the artist's name who uh, made the logo, and uh, we've since made some alterations from the original one. We had it just as. Uh, Tristan and I, and it was kind of like a square thing, but now we have the circle and the uh, the background that we have with it now. But uh, Nay uh, did the drawing for uh, Tristan and I. Basically, uh, we had uh, Tristan and I, we kind of did like a mini photo shoot. We took photos of us, like, you know, just looking professional and stuff. And then Nay uh, turned, uh, we had it originally as that, and then Nay kind of drew it up and made it into the logo we see now. And uh, it looks amazing. And uh, Nay has done a great job with that logo. We, I've asked her to do uh, so many other logos. I don't know if there's a way you guys can plug her at or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. She's really good. She's really good at doing that stuff. So uh, yeah, if you guys want poke, if you want, if you guys want podcast logos and stuff, uh, she's your she's your person. As for Tristan being Keanu Reeves, um, you know what? I don't know if I've ever heard anyone make that comparison. Dave's gotten Dave Grohl a lot. He's gotten Dave Grohl, yeah, fighters 
a well, but lot. Like his actual, gotten Jason yeah. Mantzakis a lot. Uh, oh yeah. I can't think of too many times he's gotten Keanu Reeves, but I'm definitely going to mention that to him now. He looks like he's Keanu Reeves in in the middle of a John Wick fight. That's what he looks like. <laughs> Not like pre or post. He, in the middle of the fight. That's what he looks like. Yeah. yeah, Tristan has a bit of a mean streak too. So I bet, like, if you really like, if you went up to him and you told him, like, "Yo, the New York Cosmos suck," like, he probably might go John Wick on you. What if I told right. you that um, Man U is garbage? You told me that Man U is garbage. What if I told uh, you, that Man U was you told me if Man U was yeah. garbage? Uh, I mean, right now this team is not <laughs> playing up to snuff. Uh, I'd just be like, all right, it's cool. And then just wait until, man, you would win a game and then be like, all right, you know I what? Like, you. like, look, <laughs> like, I don't need to. Because right now, look, we're not winning. I get it. Liverpool's defending a Premier League champion. So it'd be wrong for me to puff my chest out and be all like, hey, Manchester United is the best club in the world, which we're not right now. We're no. we're in that process of trying to return to form. I think you and my brother are the most realistic Man U fans. All the other Man U fans, including Alex the intern, by the way, was a Man U fan, are very delusional how their team is built. Uh, I'm a Liverpool fan, been for a long time, and it's finally great to be on top. And I and I'm going to take advantage of it and you know step on you guys a little bit. But you're That's too fine. nice to step on. I can't step. That's on That's fine. You. That's fine. That's fine because I know when Manchester United returns to the top, I am going to be annoying to Mo Khan. I'm going to be annoying to all of my Liverpool friends. Uh, Matthew Shinetti and I are both going to be tweeting "Glory, Glory, Man United," and we're going to delight in Manchester United being on top. So, uh, yeah, I. You enjoy enjoy it while it lasts. Enjoy it while it lasts, Terry. All right, cool. I will. I'm not gonna mention the Jets though. It just you know it just hurts. Well, well, you already. I don't know, man. Like I've I've distanced myself from that franchise. Like I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. You can't. You can't do it. I know. Trevor Lawrence comes in. Maybe you could do it. Peter. No, not even if Adam Gase <laughs> is still there. Like no, I don't even know if I trust the ownership group there. Uh, we were talking about that actually, and it's it's a it's a it's a it's a constant battle in our group chat about how that organization is absolute dog shit. Yeah, it's caused they've caused me too much grief. <laughs> I do love I do love that they uh, put themselves in the strange position of hiring Adam Gase and then having him choose the GM, who now looks like he doesn't yet want to fire him because he's the guy who got him hired. As a Dolphins fan, I love the Jets. I love everything about the Jets. <laughs> It makes me so happy that at least they're in the division as well. Uh, so, Julian, tell us about the Scrum Podcast. Give us a breakdown. What's it like? What do people expect uh, when they look you up and when they register, watch, and subscribe? Uh, for uh, the Scrum Podcast, uh, it's a show with myself and Tristan Damour, and uh, we do a show basically based on, on sports stories. We first started off as a podcast that focused a lot on the Canadian sports media landscape, so we spoke a lot about uh, different journalists with different publications and how they go about things and, and different things that were going on in Canada that intrigued us. We've since uh, expanded to, you know, talk about just anything in the sports world that really interested us. And uh, we have a lot of different interviews, a lot of people in the industry who are from TSN. Uh, one of our latest episodes uh, was with James Duffy. He was really great. I really think it's like one of the best episodes we've ever done because he was just really entertaining and really funny the whole time. We've spoken to Bob McKenzie. Uh, Darren Dreger as well, Richard Deitch, who you might know from Sportsnet and The Athletic. Uh, we've had a few former athletes as well. Donovan Bailey has been on our podcast uh, back around the time when he had the uh, the documentary on him on TSN. Uh, Stephanie Labe from uh, the Canadian women's soccer team. Uh, Carmelina Moscato as well uh, has also been on uh, and some broadcasters throughout the Spear as well from ESPN as well. Ariel Helwani has been on. Oh, wow. Uh, a dream right there. Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. 
He's like the yeah. I have a list and he's at the top and I'm trying to get that. Yeah, one. Ariel Helwani <laughs> is like one of the nicer guys you can talk to. Also, I want uh, to talk about like myself. Yeah, of course. Just like myself, he's also a Syracuse alum. So uh, I see, I feel a little bit of pride uh, looking at uh, Ari- Montreal and a Syracuse alum. So I feel some pride looking at him. We've had a lot of different people on the show and uh, just be in for, you know, good conversation, good interviews. You get some laughs, some jokes here and there. But uh, at different points, we're not afraid to, you know, get out of sports and kind of talk about what's really going on in the world. Like I've, I've gone in on Black Lives Matter and talking about uh, what happened with George Floyd earlier in the year and stuff and, and kind of putting the NHL's feet to the fire on, on how they view that sort of thing as well. Uh, I think it's really important to discuss these things. And I think our podcast provides a great platform to bring those things to light. And we've had different guests like Shreen Ahmed, who I think the world of, who have also been able to bring these truths to power. So it's a podcast where you learn about different sports stories. Uh, we try to talk to some of the, the biggest and brightest names in the business while also talking to uh, athletes or former athletes of the moment who uh, are able to kind of share their stories about how they feel on certain issues as well. So it's, yeah. uh, it's a really interesting podcast. I think you'll enjoy it. And, uh, you know, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Absolutely. Um, and that's that's truly the beauty and the freedom of working on a podcast. You know, Terry and I have dealt with social matters and we don't have to worry about uh, sort of what programming directors and so on uh, think about such issues. So uh, it's definitely freeing and I, I'm glad to see you guys are enjoying it as well. Of course, if you're looking for Julian, you can find him on Twitter at uh, JKAM, sorry, JKA McKenzie. Uh, he, of course, can be seen on CTP Montreal, TSN 690. Uh, he's done some work with Montreal Gazette as well, but definitely do uh, go to go find the podcast, the Scrum Podcast. Uh, you will not, you will not be sorry. Thank you, Julian, for joining us today. Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. This was fun. This show is brought to you by Mike's BBQ Rub, home of the best rubs in town, and last sauce barbecue sauce bees. Absolutely, they will get you satisfied in twelve seconds or less, just like Rick Pitino at that restaurant. So visit Mike's BBQ Rub MTL.com and use Hot Sauce 10 promo code for 10% off on all individual bottles. That's Hot Sauce 10 for 10% off. And peas, don't forget to rub your meat. Okay, it's time for Rapid Fire. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> Petty <laughs> like a cat. Jacksonville Jaguar fans are voting for Yannick, I'm going to butcher this name, Nagakwe, uh, into the Pro Bowl to ensure that it will cost the Vikings a higher compensatory pick. And apparently they're recruiting everyone else uh, for Packers, Lions, and Bears fans to try and make sure this happens. This is genius. Mm-hmm. Genius. I mean, I don't know what else they have to do over there in, in Florida. Florida, man. The Florida, man, has changed now. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> smart. I, Florida, man, is smart. As soon as I read the story, the first thing I did was go and cast my ballot and you vote for Yannick Ngakwe just because I love I love the hustle. I love how petty this is. I love how nonsense it is. Um, it is great. And then, like, with Jacksonville's luck, um, the Vikings will probably just draft a player who's better than anything they've ever had in, like, the sixth round. Yeah, exactly. Next, big baller balderdash. LeVar Ball warns his sons about, quote, hoes and about how they will never find love in the NBA. Thoughts. So how many how many NBA players have ma- met their wives and uh, stayed with them throughout their career while they uh, met them? If they met them during their players that have currently slept with an IG model with uh, Atlanta. 
As long as they're not in the Suns, Terry. The um, not funny. Well, look, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union are, are, are a famous NBA couple. Um, yeah, but they kind of met at the end of his career where he was more mature. I guess. So for, LeBron Charles James, Bar- high school sweetheart. Kobe met Charles his girlfriend early. Charles Barkley and his wife. Uh, Michael Jordan, he was the one who screwed up his marriage. It was his wife. Vanessa Bryant dealt with Kobe's cheating. It's very rarely been uh, the quote-unquote host. It's usually been, historically in the NBA, it's usually been um, basketball player sees what he wants, takes what he wants, and marriage pays, over. And pays yeah, the but P's, P's, you got to think about it. All the players you've mentioned didn't grow up in the Instagram era. That's, That's a very good point. The Instagram era is very – if Instagram didn't exist, would you be a model? Ask yourself that question. Next. Uh, I, I was just going to say the only thing is, look, it's not a great look considering his son's about to get drafted. Really the wrong time to be uh, talking about women that way. That said, look, this is their reality. Yes, they definitely need coaching up, but give them a chance. Give love a chance. That's all I'm saying. Give love a yeah. chance. Next, Diversity Day. Uh, Brett Peterson is to become the first black assistant general manager in the NHL as he joins the Florida Panthers. Meanwhile, the Marlins make history and make Kim uh, the first – you'll figure it out. Uh, the yeah. first female MLB general manager. Pease, would you like some googie googie? So Kim, Kim Ng, I wrote an article about her. She's That's from The Office. Do you not know that reference? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Sorry about that. I wasn't thinking. So, so Kim Kim in getting the uh, getting the general manager position for Miami is, is great because she's been in the MLB since like 1998 as an assistant GM. So she's interviewed for a bunch of positions, never got it. Uh, finally getting her crack. I don't think there's anybody that's more deserving or more. I never heard of Brent Peterson, but I can't can't say anything negative about him either. I don't know, uh, but yeah. I can say that Kim Ng by far deserved this opportunity. And if if I knew who she was, it means that she. Uh, she had an impact of some sort, and she is a legitimate person because I know nothing about baseball. Look, um, the, the Marlins sort of had to make an interesting move here because they fired Michael Hill. Michael Hill is a very well-known executive in Major League Baseball circles. He did a great job with that team in a market that's very difficult. Uh, and Mike Hill was one of only two black general managers. Um, so I love seeing the progressive hire of Kim Ng and – uh, to your point, Terry, she's immensely qualified. One of the things I got instantly angry about as I was going through the internet was seeing so many people questioning what her credentials were. And like, oh first God. of all, they're as long as your arm. Also, so, just just uh, just a quick search before you can write your fucking tweet. Yeah. that would help yeah, you. You, you can you can look it up. Just yeah. But the other thing is the other thing is you don't you never get that question for the white male executive. You only get that question. Why don't you question? Well, we got it for Steve Nash, a little bit. Yeah, but even then, even I guess today. because basketball is more of a—I mean, as a coach, it's not really an executive. So yeah, I can see your point. But just in general, we never question a sort of like you know, Theo Epstein's a bad example because he's obviously great, uh, but no one says like, "Whoa, why did Theo Epstein get his first shot with with, with the Red Sox?" Like, it, you know, before Brian Cashman was was known as the Yankees GM uh, amongst common, you know, amongst people not in baseball circles, no one questioned why is Brian Cashman getting this job. It should be the same thing for Kimming. I'm incredibly proud to, to see her get that job and low key my Florida Marlins hiring a, a black uh, assistant GM the Miami Dolphins known for having a very uh, black front office and now seeing Kim Ng at the Marlins some interesting things happening in Miami Moven pick uh, the NBA draft starts today Timberwolves have first overall pick who are they taking they have to take LaMelo 
I think they need. I think that city needs something, and Lamelo is going to bring them a, a spark. They can six seven. They can shoot from anywhere, man. The guy's up. Fuck. And he, have you seen how big he's gotten? Like like wide. How strong he's gotten. He's not the lanky kid we saw shooting uh, shooting uh, shots from center court uh, like five years ago. The guy's a fucking stud, man. He looks so good. I, I kind of like. I kind of like all three available guys. I personally am an Anthony Edwards fan. He kind of reminds me of D Wade. He also played at the University of Georgia, which obviously I do like. Uh, there are some. Other... Oh, I was. Gonna, I thought you were going to say that D Wade played at Georgia, but he didn't. He played at Marquette. Marquette. That's it. Uh, but he just stylistically, he's a guy. He's a slasher. I really like his game. Um, and also, like looking at James Wiseman, adding another seven footer to Carl Anthony Towns, who plays very different Carl Anthony Towns. He's a guy who's developing a shot. If they can sort of take what other teams are doing, but with everyone at seven feet, that would be awesome. If they can build a real-life Monsters, that would be kick-ass. So, you know, I don't think there's necessarily a bad pick. I don't think there's any of them that are necessarily great. I don't know if we have a legendary player uh, sort of in this draft. But either way, if you can get someone who can help you for, you know, five, six, seven to ten years, go get it. And I think all three of these guys fit that category. Next, prepartum depression. Uh, former safety Jamal Adams was recently on the All Things Covered podcast and described suffering from a depression during his time with the Jets. Does anyone feel bad for him here? Because I do. Um, so I will say I'm going I'm to start with this one, Terry, if you don't mind. Um, I, there's a couple things. We don't know if he actually suffered depression, though what he did describe on the podcast did sound a lot like clinical depression, but uh, we are not clinical. We are not professionals. We don't know if he's gotten diagnosed, and depression is a very serious thing. That yeah. said, I was trying to think of like the, the illnesses that the playing for the Jets can cause. I think seasonal affective disorder, because when the season's coming, my God, are you going to feel like shit if you're still in the Jets? Also blindness from ripping your eyes out of your face. Mm-hmm. The fans suffer that one for sure. Yes. And the final topic for tonight, sweet baby Jesus, the Pope recently liked this picture. <laughs> I saw this. This is classic. So for some context, uh, this is a Instagram model from Brazil named Natalia Gariboto. And uh, Pope Francis is the one, if I scroll down here, is the Francis C-U-S. That's the actual Pope. The Pope is a little thirsty up there in his Vatican throne. Okay, but is it the actual Pope? Because, like, it's the example, actual Pope. It's the no, actual I know it's the actual Pope, Pope, but does he use the account? Does it matter? Maybe, maybe it's a disgruntled employee that's like, I'm just gonna go like a bunch of IG models pictures. Or maybe he was logged into the wrong account when he did it, type of thing, like the social media manager. I mean, still, I, I would yeah, exactly. Pick, so, um, I will. I say, wouldn't. It's not my thing. You know what? I'm gonna say I've never felt so close. She's not to a God. I've never wanted to be religious so much. I never felt like I had anything in common with. Relig- you know, people with priests or archbishops or any of this, or the Pope, especially the Pope. I finally have something in common with the Pope. I may finally go back to church if this is what church is all about, Terry. Take me to church. And there we go, boys. That's the last one for this week. There we go. Um, that was awesome. I loved our interview with Julian McKenzie. He was great uh, for that interview for our you know if you want to come see our show on a weekly basis remember to subscribe uh do watch do subscribe come support us review us tell us all the shitty things we do we don't care we just want your engagement uh terry you've been awesome eagle you've been mediocre i've been peas and you've been listening to hot sauce sports and we're done it's really really weird really weird Alright boys, good stuff. Alright, yeah. Eagle, put it in the put it in the in the drive. We're not actually done. We're still uh, recording. Like it's it's like we haven't done 88 of these.
Christmas. It's number 88. I appease that something with Christmas for the name of the show. <laughs> 